Hello and welcome to Astrology and Stuff, where we try to talk about serious subjects without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm your host and sacred clown, Sampriti. Thank you for being here. Welcome, welcome. We are in the penultimate uh, episode for our journey through the signs specifically. Today, we are going to be working with Capricorn and Aquarius, and I promise we're going to be getting to both of them. (laughs) Um, And then next week, we're going to be finishing up with Pisces. And I have a feeling that next week is going to be, yes, it's going to be Pisces, but it's also going to be Pisces specific to the... um, the function of Pisces as the ultimate sign of the Zodiac. So there's going to be, yes, a lot to say about Pisces, but also a lot more to say about the zodiacal archetype structure, the 12 sign system, all of that. So that's going to be coming next week. But this week we are here with Capricorn and Aquarius. Okay, so let's break down first Capricorn. We've got the last earth sign, uh, and this last, this final earth sign is the, uh, cardinal. It's the, the cardinal sign. So we were used to fire, uh, initiating fire with, uh, initiating everything really with the, with the cardinal function this time in earth, the element of earth, we are finishing up the, you know, that, that third and final chapter of the element in cardinal energy, which I've always found really interesting. Um, uh, the sign of Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. And obviously I've said the element of Capricorn is earth. So Capricorn is the 10th sign of the uh, zodiac, and it is in this last quadmester of of the of the zodiac itself. And I'm going to credit Kelsey Rose Tortoris with she calls them tri- trimesters. Um, I'm and they're they're technically yeah. You know what? I'm going to leave that up to you guys. Trimester, does that mean there's three of them or does that mean there are three months inside of the cycle? Um, Getting my grammatical brain on here because um, I'm going to call it a quadmester because they're inside of it there. Yes, it's the last cycle of, you know, the elements, but inside of them, there are Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. There are four elements inside of each um, cycle. So I hope that made a bit of sense to some of you. (laughs) I'm going to call it, that's why I'm going to call them quadmesters. So we've entered into this last quadmester of the Zodiac, i.e. the last cycle of fire, earth, uh, air, and water. Okay. The first quadmester is obviously Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, the second is going to be your um, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio. And then this uh, last one is Sag, Capricorn, uh, Aquarius, and and Pisces. And this like last quadmester is the most zoomed out. 
And it started, remember, it started last time in Sagittarius because we've, we talked about after, you know, talking about, um, the serpent bearer, it's this shooting up out of the, the waters of Scorpio and of fixed water Scorpio. And it's, Sag is all about the relationship. It really starts to zoom that, that personal experience. It starts to zoom it way out. Okay. And so we've got, we come into Capricorn from Sag. Sag has allowed us to, um, have a comfort zone around asking the big questions, getting the big ideas, um, formulating bigger and bigger and bigger foundational principles. And so that that fire of wisdom begins that process. And then in Capricorn, and I touched on this last time, Capricorn gets to accrete that from that wisdom. And accrete meaning things get to solidify things are supposed to like solidify in Capricorn. Fire's not supposed to be solid. Earth is definitely solid. Earth can't not be solid. Okay, so the job and the, the, the call within Capricorn is to solidify, create matter, push into the material, birth into the material world, that which was decided upon in Sagittarius. And so I used also last time the, um, the illustration of religion and, um, you know, Christ as, you know, Yeshua as a teacher of this, up until that point, really new and radical idea of love is the law, love above all else. And that was Sagittarius. That was this and 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 like look at what happened in the first few hundred years of the um of you know Christ's ministry and him pushing through like birthing through him and and his apostles um putting into the cosmic discourse the earthly discourse rather this truth this new level of truth this new frequency Within the first hundred years, that flew, that new frequency flew all over that part of the world. Like it moved out of Judea nearly immediately, um, you know, back down into Egypt, over to Rome, up into France, Anatolia, uh, as, you know, we called it Asia Minor in Christian school, and um, all of these areas. And suddenly there were people talking about um, talking about this new way of being very, very fast. That's how fire moves, okay, ideas. Then what happened, it, that fire stuck around long enough uh, to the point that the way that energy moves is it moves, the longer it's there and the longer that it's repeated, it can't help but densify it can't help but start to harden and move into a sort of structure, seek structures. Like we, we learn that in, in physics, you know, in different parts of physics, where energy magnetizes towards very certain behaviors of natural law. And 
what happened with specifically, you know, Christianity, we all knew, well, Christianity happened. It wasn't, it became, it moved from these are uh, specific frequencies and sound currents that this one teacher brought through. And it got repeated and repeated and repeated so that it became, this is a religion. This is Christianity. Um, Hundreds of thousands of people around, you know, thousands of miles of of land uh, started to believe in similar ideas. And the more that they kind of stuck together the more solidified those ideas became. And suddenly you have Coptic Christians down in Egypt believing, you know, having these, they all believe the same thing, but it's a little bit different from the Roman Christians in Italy. And it's a little bit different from the the Christians in the South of France. And it's a little bit different from, um, what's his face, Charlemagne in, you know, uh, or Constantine and Charlemagne and Constantinople and Istanbul and all of that. Um, so suddenly we've got, as things gel, as the ideas gel via people, more and more people sending, you know, living their reality, uh, their specific realities, it gels even more and it gels even more and it gels even more. And Capricorn's power is to create something that is so substantial that it can be seen, that it it is, it can be seen and it can be recognized and it can be appreciated from as many people as possible as it's the most, um, Capricorn is the 10th sign ruling the 10th house it's the most visible that we will ever be. So it rules this area of visibility and it rules this area of success. So there is an inherent success to Capricorn. It, that's its drive is to experience the success reflected back from the outer world. Now let's talk about why and wherefore. And to do so, we need to talk about Cancer, the polarity partner to Capricorn. Cancer ruled by the moon, uh, fourth house, uh, fourth sign, water. It's diametrically opposite to Capricorn in the 10th house. Remember back in Cancer, we, Cancer was, it allows us to, i.e. makes us, (laughs) (laughs) forces us, speaking as a cancer rising, forces us to find emotional stability, internal self-authority, emotional authority, all of those things. Um, We are here to, to, in cancer, to find internal success, like being, having emotional self-authority and internal self-authority means that we know we're good. We know we deserve unconditional love. We know we deserve unconditional self-acceptance. And that's the, that's the work that gets done through cancer. Well, the, as polarity partner to cancer, 
Capricorn's job, it's where Cancer is the most internal part of our chart, uh, i.e. the fourth house is the most internal part of our chart. Tenth house, the most external. It's where all of that internal self-acceptance, internal emotional authority, internal authority is going to be reflected back to us by the outer world. It's this experience of like, well, in order for me to to have to have that experience of other people seeing me as successful, other people having my own back, other people recognizing my leadership skills, I first had to do that for myself. It's fucking Dorothy in in Oz and Glinda telling her at the end of the hero heroine's journey, "Oh, you could have gone back this whole time. Just click your heels." And you'll be back in Kansas. You'll be back home. You had the power all along. And that's that kind of cancer. Um, <laughs> it's this, the call is coming from inside the house. Um, this cancer Capricorn uh, vibe that we have going on. Um, and so when we are working with Capricorn, when we're in Capricorn season or, you know, Saturn and Jupiter in 2020, fucking both in Capricorn. Um, oh my God. Y'all, y'all remember that? It's just this, this huge um, opportunity for us to have that conversation of like, why am I not being appreciated by this relationship and why can't I get ahead career wise? And, um, why am I not experiencing success as, you know, as a parent or, um, you know, why do I not feel successful? It's that being always being triggered with that to go back inside and do the cancer work first. Um, you know, really do that inner work, do that inner appreciation, so that we all that outer all because all that outer appreciation is that outer sense of success is is a direct reflection to what's going on inside okay so cancer as such cancer is the papa cancer is the um it's the patriarch excuse me i'm sorry capricorn is the papa capricorn is the uh patriarch of the zodiac um, whereas cancer is the matriarch of the Zodiac. And that's another reason why when we are in any type of cancer Capricorn work, we are automatically doing that reparenting job. Okay. We don't have to be conscious that, oh, I'm, I'm doing reparenting work. Kind of like we were with shadow. I'm going to go do shadow work now. Yeah. Good luck with that. You're always doing shadow work. You're always doing reparenting work. <laughs> and I, I don't, your experience might be different. I just happen to have a cancer rising and a North node in cancer and a South node in Capricorn. So, uh, maybe it's just me guys. Let me know. <laughs> Are we ever not doing reparenting work <laughs> or is that just me <laughs> anyway? So this, um, this sense of success of outer success, of external success, of external appreciation, of being out in the world. This is very this is a very big deal for Capricorn. And Capricorn gets a very, I think, a very bad rap. And 
honestly from me. <laughs> I'm I am not immune to to um kind of shitting on Capricorn because you know it's my south node. I'm I'm kind of just wanting to finish up this shit. But I also have like a 10th house sun. And sign-wise opposite my fourth house uh Saturn. And so I've got a lot, there's a lot of Capricorn influence in my chart. And I'll tell you one thing, the journey of what is capital S success, especially as a 10th house Aries sun, has been really, really intense. Um, it, uh, let me re- rephrase that. It's just taken up a lot of space in, in, in my life and my development. And so look at what's in your 10th house look at what's in, go, go to your chart and examine what's in Capricorn. Uh, examine the relationship that Saturn has to, um, to your rising sign, your sun sign, um, your, uh, perhaps like your Mercury, uh, all of that, uh, your moon. Um, and where we are, it's kind of like I often talk about Saturn, mostly in um, mostly in one-on-one sessions with people. I'll do a lot of Saturn work, and especially lately, I've been doing a lot of folks when Saturn moved into Pisces last month uh, in March of, of 2023. A lot of people signed up for their, they're entering in their time of Saturn return. So I've talked a lot about Saturn lately. And Saturn is the grower upper. Saturn is the, on the, the, um, and so when I'm talking about Saturn now, let's just say, without saying it, Saturn slash Capricorn, okay? It's the grower upper. It's the, uh, again, as uh, I'm going to quote directly, pretty much Kelsey Rose Tortoris, she says, Saturn is matter over mind. Jupiter is mind over matter. This this fucking blew me away. I l- I'm going to be using this for the rest of my astrological career and, and therefore my life, I think. Because if you look at the glyphs of Saturn and of Jupiter, they're, they're, if you're interested, go study the glyphs of the signs and the planets. They mean very specific things. And Jupiter and Saturn are the two teachers uh, archetypically of the Zodiac. And Jupiter is mind over matter. It's like, believe and it will be true. Believe and you can make it happen. Well, Saturn is matter over mind. It's like, bitch, look at reality. Look, this is what you got. This is matter. This is your body. These, this is gravity. This is your life right now. You, let's, let's look at your desires and and look at your desires through the lens of reality and then move into action, okay? It's a completely different vibe. And Saturn slash Capricorn is this area of our lives where we can't help but level up. Because we are moving first, we are moving through the lens of matter, that's why when Capricorns build shit, it fucking stays built 
for a long time because they haven't moved. It's not like Jupiter where they've moved. It's not that Jupiter's weak and, and you know, Saturn's strong, blah, blah, blah. There's no right. There's no wrong here. It's just different uh, ways of teaching and it's different ways of iterating. It's different ways of actualizing. We need both of them and they work together. Those of you out there who have Jupiter-Saturn uh, conjunction, um, I know some of you, uh, it's, it's, you have a very unique power and it may not feel that way, but it is very unique and it's very, very powerful. But anyway, um, I'm digressing. Saturn, um, where Jupiter mind over matter, you're moving from fire into earth. Okay. It's kind of easier that way, isn't it? It seems easier. And that's why, you know, Jupiter is the easier planet to, to our human. It's the easier planet. Um, it's how the elements move throughout the archetype of the archetypes of the, the, the Zodiac fire into earth. Right. But with Saturn, that shit's backwards. Uh, it flips it. It's matter over mind. It's like, you know what? We're going to do the motherfucking density first. And then your mind, i.e. your fire, your creative spark, your sense of human self, your sense of power is going to be forged because you pushed this baby out, you know, because you worked with the dirt, because you built the house, like because you built the Ikea furniture, right? <laughs> it's, um, so yeah, we need both types of of manifestation. We, we not just need, we work with matter. Nature works with both types of teachers. Okay. And it's just this, this Capricorn energy, it's honed, it, it's associated with success, with lasting and sustainability because it's, it, it works with the matter first. It works in that earth element. It has staying power. So I have a husband um, with a Venus in Capricorn. And that man has so much staying power when it comes to relationships. Um, and it's not that, and it, it's this, being with him for 18 years now, um, I have seen it play out in like, no matter what I bring this dude, he's in it. He is in it. And it's not just because, you know, he's Irish and, <laughs> and there's Catholicism back there and, and all. Of, it's not like, you know, we're staying together for the kids, that kind of thing. It is, there is a desire, there's just an innate value of the long game. There is an there is an innate trust and trustworthiness that I know that this is going to pay off. I know this is going to pay off. So if you've got trust issues, <laughs> if you've got trust issues, if you've got abandonment issues, if you are anxious uh, you know, an anxious um attachment person out there, <sighs> Um, get you, get you somebody with some Capricorn, 
get you somebody with some Capricorn. Um, Capricorns are amazing in relationships. And I know this is like a one-off and it's not that everybody else isn't amazing in relationships. I'm just speaking from I here. And I, I honestly kind of want to uh, put a little bit more uh, energy towards the, here's why it's great to be with a Capricorn. Because I I feel like we we see a lot and we hear a lot and we get a lot of like, oh, Capricorns suck in relationships because of X, Y, Z. Um, so speaking from experience, um, here's why they can, they're such a stabilizing force. Um, one of my best friends, Cap Sun, and I just, I am in awe of her uh, ability just to like stay the course. And it it's not from, it's not from my end. Like uh, my ability to stay the course is blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm Scarlett O'Hara. And I am, you know, on, on Tara with a fistful of dirt. And I've got, you know, mud in my, my hair and tears, you know, streaming down my cheeks. And I'm like, as God is my, I make it very emotional. I make my stability or my, excuse me, not stability, sustainability, the decisions that I'm making to stay in the game, they are very emotional and they are very dramatic. My very good friend, she, the the cap, she makes those same decisions like, well, this is just the way it is. We we just got to do this. I guess we got to suck it up. And I love that about her. <laughs> and I love that as I crave that, right? I love that being around me, you know? I love the stability of, you know, my husband's uh, Venus and Capricorn. Um, so, and there's a bit, there's a difference between Capricorn as a cardinal earth sign versus Taurus and Virgo as fixed and mutable earth signs. And um, I think I'm just going to leave it right there that it's, I probably would not have the same really positive, yummy experience with those other <laughs> earth signs. I do have a really good friend who is is a super Taurus and um, she's one of my best friends too. And her solidness and her stability is more, it's, um, it's not, it's more of a contrast to my own personality. It, and so it serves me in that way, instead of being like super aligned, you know, cardinal energy, Aries, me, cardinal energy, uh, Capricorn, my other friend, like, yeah, I, I can get in on this. It's cardinal energy, Aries, me, fixed earth, Taurus, her, this, this friend. And so the, the collaboration is a lot more about, and the, 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 the feeding that I get from that and the benefit that I should say that I get from that relationship is the vibe is definitely more, oh yeah, it's, yeah, patience. Okay. Patience. Oh yeah. Um, this is what stability feels like. And sometimes it feels slow and sometimes I don't like that, but what's the benefit here? It's that kind of teacher. Um, and then you've got your, your Virgo earth and it's all about, it, it moves faster than Taurus, but it moves fast differently, different to, to Capricorn. 
instead of that energy of initiation, it's this energy of finishing up. It's like, wait, 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 Cap, before you go, you know, building that house or building that Ikea piece of Ikea furniture, let's, you know, let's clear out this room and make some space for it. And let's also maybe revisit our previous experiences with building Ikea furniture. And let's maybe remember that that one stupid fucking Allen wrench is not going to uh, cut the, you know, cut the, um, (laughs) we'll say cut the cheese. Uh, It's not going to cut the mustard when it comes to putting together this entire queen size bed. So remember that last time? Let's go back and get some tools and we're going to fully read the uh, directions, and maybe we're going to try to find a video on YouTube about this particular setup so that we can be completely prepared before we we initiate this project. That's going to be your Earth Virgo uh, experience. So yes. Um, So yes, 10th, let's talk a little bit about 10th house before we move on to Aquarius. The 10th house, how it practically shows up is most of the time you're going to be hearing, oh, it's our career. It's our career space. It's our career. And honestly, as somebody with 10th house sun, I, being a baby astrologer and like a, a, a person who was just kind of embarking on this type of awareness and, and applying my astrology and especially my placements and my house placements back to my practical life, I... I didn't, I got confused because I felt like I couldn't find, I felt like I had to go after typical career success in order to actualize, well, anything because it's my son, right? In order to like lean into this particular piece of my astrology. And it just, it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening according to my own expectations, big, heavy underline right there. Um, it wasn't happening in the way that I thought it would, and it wasn't happening in the way that I thought it would. And then I, you know, you mature as you do, um, you, you flail and you, uh, have insecurities and you, um, pout and, (laughs) and all of that. And then you come to the other side of it and it's like, oh, 10th house sun, Perhaps it means that no matter what I do, I can expect a sense of success being reflected back to me in my visible life. Like what if it's at this point, right? What if it's at this point, I can't help but have uh, expect a sense of satisfaction and success around the most visible aspects of myself instead of like trying to shove this 10th house and i i'm talking son so i'm talking to whoever is out there who ha- you may have a son in your 10th house you may not have anything in your 10th house but specific to those people who do have planets and like a, a busy 10th house um, perhaps examine in this stage of, uh, this global stage of late, late stage capitalism, um, and watching 
specifically like the job markets for the past 15 years, but really specifically for the past three years, just completely fucking fall apart. And Gen Z growing up old enough to like put in their two cents about what it means to be successful and what it means to be public and what it means to be in the public eye. And where do we find our satisfaction with that? What does authority mean? So we are in the middle of like this tornado of new concepts and therefore the complete, the, the slow, not complete, the very slow obliteration of old concepts in and around specifically 10th house themes, Capricornian themes, Saturnian themes, because whatever, and I'm going to really go into this here in a couple minutes when we get into Aquarius, whatever has been solid, whatever has been sustained, whatever has been traditional, whatever has been uh, a, a structure for X amount of time, it too has an expiration date. And that's what we're, we're living through right now. And we're, we're birthing really right now is the expiration date of so many solid structures. So I, I bring that back to the 10th house and your personal astrology to say that grace, give yourself a lot of grace if you're working with specifically 10th house themes right now. There is no playbook for career development on, on like a, a, a mass level, right? Not in the way that, especially if you're a, a millennial and especially an elder millennial and you were raised by, by boomers or maybe you're a, a, a Gen Xer, God, God be with you. Um, we grew up with you work you know, you get you 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 go to school, you go to college, you get a job out of college, you work until you retire, and then you play. And I I cannot overstate just how much of a Capricornian uh, structure that was in our psyche, in our economy, in our the way that we treat the land, in the way that we build families. Socially, like everything, guys, everything was in America at least. Um, everything was was revolving around this specific, like your, the work, the 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 story of the American worker, and that's gone now. That's we are living, going to be living, continue. We are living and going to continue to live a completely different paradigm than our parents and especially our grandparents did. And so the, and I know y'all know this, but the result of it is we're straddling two different worlds. We are content when we do the work of Capricorn in our astrology, when we do the iteration and the actualization of Capricorn and 10th house themes and Saturnian themes in our astrology, we are transmuting that old paradigm into the new one. And so there's just, there's a lot of quantum unclarity 
around it. It's not supposed to be clear right now. And so personally, I've, I, in the past year, six months to a year, I've received, I've come from a place of massive insecurity and flailing around and like just trying to force career after career after career because I have a 10th house son and that's the way it's got to be. And I want to, I want to live out my destiny. God, that's so heavy and boring and super serious into that. I've, I've transmuted it or it's been transmuted through or into like, well, whatever I'm doing, I can't help but be successful because my son is in the 10th house, whatever I'm doing. And, and honestly, it's, it's been a, a, a lot besides this, you know, podcast, before this podcast came out and before I went back out into the workforce the same week that the the first episode of this podcast came out, it was a lot of internal stuff. It was all internal stuff. There was a lot of hibernation. There was a lot of just me and me. And, and it was really interesting to play that out, continue to play that out and trust that my astrology is continuing to be played out through this really not very visible at all, very internal place of my life. And so perhaps if you, and, and, you know, this isn't just relegated to Capricorn and 10th house and Saturn, but if you, if, and when you find yourself confused by some of your astrology of like, this is supposed to be that way, I thought, and it is not that way right now. I hope I'm not doing anything wrong. Should I do something different? I, those types of insecurities and questions and confusions around your own astrology, give it time. Give it time. Our astrology and then the rest of us, we are so complex and we are so many cycles within cycles within cycles that we are never just one thing. And here we go again. And I actually talked about this in the, the transit talk that I just recorded this morning, the power of surrender and just the necessity of surrender. When we find resistance, when we find discomfort in our relationship with our astrology or any other aspect of ourselves, it's because we're, it's because we're struggling and we're resisting something that, that is. And so if we decide that we don't want to suffer anymore, what do we do? We surrender. We take our hands off the wheel. And for me personally, it was like, okay, I'm just, yeah, this, this other project fell apart. This is not this other thing that's, you know, I want to put myself in the public or that I have in the public eye. It's just not getting off the ground. I, I, okay, I give up and not like in a negative way. It's a, I, I let myself go. I let myself surrender to what is. And all that is, is allowing ourselves to be in alignment with natural law, with the way that the world is. And we're letting ourselves float down the river. And that river is going to take us to the place where it all makes sense. Um, as soon as we surrender the need for it to make sense, we are on our way to it making sense. Not that that's the end all be all, but you know what I mean. 
Okay. And I think I talked about Saturn enough as the Capricornian ruler. Um, well, yeah, in another, just to put another one last point on it, Saturn is the time, the time ruler. It's a ruler of time. Capricorn is this ruler of time. It builds, it's interested in things lasting because it's interested in time because it's, it's formulated by time. And, and so the act of surrender within these Capricornian, Saturnian, 10th house places of our charts is coming into a, a greater integrity of our own relationship with time. Because when we are suffering, we are in resistance to what is, and therefore we are out of, we are out of place in time because we're not, we're not living in the present moment because whatever is, oh God, I'm getting so zen. Whatever is, is only in the present moment. And so the more that we can surrender to what is, to quote Eckhart Tolle, the more we come into integrity with ourselves and into alignment with, with the, the way that time expresses itself through natural law. And then our suffering lets go. Okay. So yeah, that's the, that's a relationship. That's a little bit of a relationship between uh, an active intentional relationship with our Capricorn, with our Saturn, with our 10th house is fucking surrender (laughs) and trusting because this is such a sustainable sign, trusting that the energy will come. The thing will come. It can't help but be attracted to you. Okay. All righty then. So Aquarius, Capricorn, if Capricorn is the uh, the sign and the archetype of building, of, of iterating an earthly uh, symbol for those Sagittarian ideas and like the big whys. Um, Aquarius's job is to break that shit down. It's Aquarius's job as 11th house ruler, uh, fixed air sign, ruled by in modern astrology and evolutionary astrology by the planet Uranus, uh, in traditional astrology, it's, uh, it's another, it's another Saturn sign. Um, and so it's Aquarius's job to take whatever structures have been up for too long, i.e. it's their time to go and break that shit down in the name of evolution. So I always equate uh, Uranus and Aquarius to the Kool-Aid man. And if you don't know the Kool-Aid man, um, you must be so young and your skin must be so pretty. <laughs> um, uh, go go Google that shit. It's hilarious. Uh, well, us elder millennials grew up with the Kool-Aid man or the Kool-Aid man and Kool-Aid commercials where these kids were just sitting in the, sitting in a room and they were declaring how like bored they were or how bored they were with, um, their, their drinks, uh, 
that they have available in their house and the this giant pitcher of red stuff just crash apropos of nothing just crashes through the wall and says oh yeah and it's like here's the Kool-Aid man and now they're they're happy that that brick wall is capricorn and those kids inside the room that is capricorn of us just Staying the way that it, th- this is this this is correct. This way of being is correct. It's the best way of being because it it's always been that way. You know, tradition, as Fiddler on the Roof uh, would say, um, it is the way it is because it's tradition. Aquarius is that Kool Aid Man crash destroying structures that are only still up because that's the way it is. Aquarius is only interested in the evolved state of being. And Aquarius answers, and the fact that Pluto has just entered Aquarius is very, very interesting because it's all, to me, this is my my interpretation, one of my interpretations. Pluto, as the element of the soul of the planet, the embodiment of the soul that we have in astrology archetypes. Uh, Pluto embodies only the desires of the soul. And according to evolutionary astrology, the desire, the soul's one desire is to evolve. Uh, Because if we kind of zoom out on that story a little bit more, we all came from one source, all energy, all souls came from one source and source fractalized itself so that it had all like trillions and trillions and trillions of opportunities to experience a different perspective. And so every time soul wants to embody, it is looking to have a, a more intense experience of a of a of a perspective that it has perhaps not embodied yet, and the goal being to amass uh, experience, 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 evolution, and to and from that experience to evolve, to evolve, to evolve, to evolve, so that this the, the source material gains a greater and greater and greater sense of hello self and source so he within the archetypes this is played out through you know the, the or excuse me the embodiment of those basic most fundamental soul immortal uh limitless eternal desires of the soul that's embodied by pluto Pluto has just entered Aquarius. The sign that brooks no refusal to the continuation of evolution. And it's Aquarius is this, um, it is the polarity point to Leo. So let's talk about Aquarius from the perspective of Leo and their relationship with Leo. Leo is the center, it's the heart center. Leo is the center of the body, the center of, of in, in many ways. Um, it, is, it is supposed to be self-centered. Um, 
Leo is this place where we become so self-centered in with the the goal of actualizing our heart, our most authentic self. We could say it a different way for the goal of creatively self-expressing from that heart-centered place, from that absolutely most authentic self. Okay. Uh, fixed fire, Leo, bottom half of the Zodiac. So we're dealing with completely subjective evolution here, just me and me. So when Leo's partnership with Aquarius, Aquarius as inhabiting as an inhabitant of the top half of the Zodiac, it takes all of that, that self sent beautifully self-centered, um, uh, benefic narcissist <laughs> as one, one an, an old teacher said, uh, would, would put it, um, it takes all of that and it's, it puts it out into the world as a, as a, uh, it, it's informed by that. It has a global, uh, perspective that is informed by that inherent authenticity and heart-centeredness. So on one level, Aquarius is incredibly benefic. It's incredibly humanitarian. It's, it's humanitarian. Um, now, the quote-unquote bad rap that Aquarius gets, which I find personally hilarious, is Aquarius loves humanity. It's people they hate. There is, because it has to be zoomed out, because it, instead of being object, excuse me, instead of being subjective, like polarity partner Leo, it has to be uh, objective. It's not, it's a, it's a more removed uh, beneficence. It's a more removed capital L love. Um, and it's, I liken it to a lifeguard. Um, it, the lifeguard isn't down in the pool swimming with the swimmers and having a good time and learning everybody's name and, oh my God, no, it's the, the lifeguard's job to be up in the chair and having the, the, their eyes on the entire pool and everybody in the pool is better because of it. Okay. Um, so Aquarius has this sense of, and it's fixed air. Let's talk about that a little bit. Fixed air, meaning, um, and the, the, the term for that, that we often apply to Aquarius is I know like Aries is I am, um, cancer is I feel, um, and et cetera, et cetera. Aquarius is I know. And the, so we're dealing with an air sign and Aquarius is able to like capital K know on a global, like collective capital C collective level in a way that nobody has, nobody in the Zodiac has been able to do up until this point because it takes what, you know, the idea sublimation of Sagittarius, the accretion of the idea into matter. And remember, once we get to earth, once things densify 
to the point of earth, there is nothing more dense than earth. So there is a level of our body, a physical somatic knowing, capital K knowing, like we know it in our bones, right? I love that term. It's so Capricorn. I know this in my bones. I know this to be true. That's happened in Capricorn. So the information that Aquarius is working with is so far the the most intelligent information there is because it's the 11th sign. It's the second to last sign. It's been informed by the 10 previous signs and the, and, and Aquarius knows it. Aquarius knows that the information that Aquarius is working with, it can't get any better. So I know, I know, I just know. Okay. And the desire behind Aquarius is I know what is best for humanity and not in like a Capricornian churchy way of like, well, Jesus is good for me, so Jesus has to be good for you. So I'm going to destroy your entire culture and civilization in the name of that fact. No. I mean, it can be, but that's not what I'm talking about in this point. It's Aquarius's I know is the I know because I am a part of the collective. I know because I've gone through all of these last 10 houses And I have seen, I have come to the point of building in density, in dense, dense earth. And if you have any knowledge of Kabbalah and the the journey of like the tree of life from from the metaphysical into the physical, the, the... in, in how that applies to the tarot. I'm sorry, this is a small tangent. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just ignore me. Um, how in the tarot, the court cards that are representing the earth are the princess cards and the, or the um, page cards. Uh, but I'm thinking specific to Thoth tarot. The princess cards are the earth element. And then you have each uh, element, uh, like you have a princess of, of cups and that's earth of water because cups is water. And then you have the princess of earth or you have the princess, excuse me, of discs. And this is earth of earth. And in the journey through the Thoth tarot and IE, it's a, it's a, an illustration of, and a metaphor, physical metaphor of the journey of matter itself, energy into matter itself you can't get any more. It's at the very bottom of the tree of life, meaning you can't get any more here and now and actualized and dense than earth of earth, princess of desks. And the, the only, the next stop after this is back up into f- just complete energy form. And we're going to start it, start the cycle all over again. It's the last stop. Aquarius, fixed air. Uh, let me bring it back home. Um, it's this I know because I fucking built that shit. I did every, I followed the alchemy and the development from Aries every single step of the way. And I actualized that shit in the 10th house in Capricorn. 
uh, with Sat with the power of Saturn, I moved through earth and time and space to build that shit. And so I am I am using all of that experience to know. And the power of that knowledge, because we live in that cyclical, huge, you know, cycles within cycles, kind of like what I illustrated with the tree of life and with the tarot, where do you go from there? Where do you go when you've built the most that you're ever going to build? What's the next step? You got to tear that shit down because there is always another breath to take. There is always another step to take. There is, it does, our lives and matter for that matter does not end at the building of the thing. Okay. And so Aquarius knows that because it's fixed air. It will never not know that it is Aquarius is meant. We are meant to dwell because it's fixed. That's the dwelling. We are meant to dwell in this knowledge. We are meant to dwell in this knowledge that, excuse me, let me get some water. We are meant to dwell in this knowledge, the knowing that Capricorn is not the end all be all. That it may have felt like it was because when you're inside of Capricorn, it sure as shit feels that way, right? It sure as shit feels like this job, you know, it's the, it's the goat climbing the mountain, just like one step in front of the other. All it knows is the mountain. Like I just got to climb this mountain. Aquarius is when the goat gets to the top of the mountain and I'm using, I'm borrowing from a beautiful, beautiful illustration from Jaleesa Cypress. Um, fixed, it gets to the top of the mountain and it can see everything And it's gone through that entire, it has all that experience from the bottom of the mountain all the way to the top. And the air is still. And there's just this knowing. It's like, what happens when you get to the top of the mountain? I guess you got to go back down. And so Aquarius comes in with this sense of breaking down. And we're feeling the demolition aspect of Aquarius, I believe, a, a lot more than other people in other timelines or other people in other points in time because because Pluto has moved from Capricorn into Aquarius. We just had uh, our two teachers, Jupiter and Saturn, be in Capricorn together in like 2019 and 2020 and then move from Capricorn into Aquarius on the same day in late 2020. Um, and obviously there Jupiter's in Aries now and Saturn's in Pisces right now, but we have been informed very, I mean, think about the last three years, guys. Are you the same person that you were in January of 2020 or in July, October rather of 2019? Nope. I would wager that there is not one aspect of you or your life that is not at least slightly changed at the very, very least. And that most of you is massively changed. Okay. That is the power of like these big planets and these, these teachers of our, of our, of our system 
being in the sign, you know, having that transition from Capricorn to Aquarius, it is a breaking down to open up energy. Oh my God. It's that, um, what did, uh, oy, Brene Brown, like one of her first Ted talks was I, she, she said in her great wit, she's like, so I had a breakthrough and on the, the slide behind her, on the, the screen behind her, it says breakdown. And, and like you cross through the breakdown and then you write breakthrough underneath it. It's this breakthrough, it's this breakdown breakthrough business that we have all undergone since, uh, you know, honestly, I think for real, for real, 2017, uh, it's been super duper intense, uh, 2017 to now. And then it's just amplified the intensity, of course, with, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022. Um, so that, that's the energy of, of Aquarius, but it's this break down in order to break through. It's that goat on the top of the mountain that is like, I have never worked so hard and look at me up on the top of the mountain. And now I have to kind of sit with the new world, the new reality that all of that work and development and evolution has given me. I have to now kind of sit with this new reality and that's where Aquarius, when we disconnect uh, that element of it, the knowing from the collective, we can get very uh, Elon Musky. We can get very like, I'm going to fucking Mars, man. You know, um, it's d- that disconnected in a in a very harmful way, and in a way that over identifies with ego. Um, I don't know if anybody has watched, uh, have you watched the Watchmen? <laughs> Who watches the Watchmen? Um, or, you know, more importantly, read the book. Um, it's been voted again and again, the best graphic novel in that we have. Uh, it's, inc- it's incredible. The show HBO actually did a really good job with, um, with the material as well. I highly recommend it. And there's this character uh, called Dr. Manhattan in The Watchmen. And Dr. Manhattan has like a very uh, like Bruce Banner Hulk moment and gets trapped in um, a gamma radiation experiment gone wrong. And all of that radiation completely obliterates Dr. Manhattan down to the atomic level. Well, that that girl resublimates and she, (laughs) she comes back and I, I equate when I read, because I've read it like a dozen times, every time I read, especially lately, um, about Dr. Manhattan, I, I'm like, this is Aquarius. This is an embodiment of Aquarius with all of that power. Like there's nothing when Dr. Manhattan comes back, there's nothing that Dr. Manhattan can't do. There's nothing that Dr. Manhattan can't be. There's no place that Dr. Manhattan can't be. So uh, he goes to Mars. It, like he knows this. It's this heavy as the heavy as the head and weary as the head that wears the crown of complete power. 
You know, he's a, he's a God basically. And so that bitch goes to Mars and spends a long ass time on Mars and he gets to, um, a lot of the material is him observing earth from Mars and it's, it's so Aquarian minus because he has lost, he, he has all of the observation and none of the collective connection. He is viewing the collective from outside of the collective. And so the real power of Aquarius is the power of the obs- of being able to observe the collective as a part of the collective, okay? And then we move on to Pisces, which is about the unconditional love that automatically becomes available because we have done the highest work within Aquarius of observing the, the, the needs of the collective and, and attending as a part of the collective. Okay. Um, with being informed, our Aquarius being informed by the wholeheartedness of that polarity partner, um, Leo. And so Uranus as the planetary ruler, of Aquarius is moves. It's this lightning bolt of change. You know, sometimes change happens at the pace of a a steamroller, i.e. Saturn and Pluto to greater effect. Um, And sometimes change happens. You get metaphorically or literally T-boned by that car in that intersection and you just didn't see it coming. Um, That's Uranus. Uranus is that lightning bolt of like building, build that energy, building, 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 and then crash. It's gotta, it's gotta happen. Shit. Um, Uranus playing out the, the financial upset of 20, uh, 2007 into 2008, like at seemingly at the blink of an eye, Lehman brothers were, uh, declaring bankruptcy. And it's just like, um, I love this this movie, the the big short, but also too big to fail. It's that's that is totally that Capricornian. It's time to go. Uh, oh, it's too big to fail. Uh, and Uranus uh, coming in and with Aquarius and being like, um, even you cannot escape the power of change. Even you cannot escape the soul's desire to continuously evolve. And so, um, yep, we talked about fixed air. We talked about Uranus. So yeah, look look in your chart. Where's Uranus in your chart? Uh, what relationship does Uranus have to other planets, other houses or points in your chart? I have a sixth house, Uranus and Neptune and Sagittarius. And um, both of them are in Sagittarius. And, uh, you know, hello, health, um, so much of my, um, evolution and my journey of, of being amenable to change, you know, un, unfixing myself when I need to and surrendering, um, that's been through my, my personal health, uh, and disease process. Hello, sixth house. So, 
where do you, where does this planet live in your chart? Where does Aquarius live in your chart? I have one planet in Aquarius and that is Venus. And I, I, I totally, totally vibe with, um, you know, in relationships, in my values, the bigger picture, you know, and that's why Aquarius, a lot of the characteristics of Aquarius are like, um, idiosyncratic, eccentric, you know, always Andy Warhol, you know, I, I need to see the next big thing. Um, or let's, let's bring it on. And a lot of times Venus and Aquarius gets the rap of like polyamory and getting bored and, and stuff like that. And yeah, I can, it's, it's only interesting if it's interesting. Um, new things are always interesting. And so how, how do you work your Aquarius to your greatest happiness? How do you work your, your, uh, your Uranus placements and which house is your Uranus in and which house does, does Aquarius rule? Um, how do you work that and how can you work that to your greatest happiness and sense of contentment and above all sense of connection to the collective. All right, friends, that is it for today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode um, covering Capricorn and Aquarius. If I missed anything or if something, if you experience these signs, and this goes for any episode, if you experience any of these signs in different ways or expanded ways and ways that I did not speak to and you want to share, please share that. Hit me up on Instagram at Life. Uh, you can, if you're part of the Patreon, of course, message me on the Patreon and, uh, just let me know. And as always, thank you for being here. So that's it for this episode of astrology and stuff. You can come back each Wednesday for new episodes, and you also have a way to get weekly bonus episodes on my Patreon page. Just search for Astrology and Stuff Podcast. Bonus episodes are weekly peeks into the planetary transits where we can get into the astrology of the week. This week, we are covering the uh, Aries uh, eclipse and Mercury retrograde happening in the same week. Busy, busy. Um, And also how that may be affecting you in your neck of the woods. Each episode of Astrology and Stuff is written, recorded, edited, and mixed by me, Sempriti Ireland. The music you hear is an original work by Angel Wing. And again, thank you for being here.